everyone. Welcome to the Midweek Move. I am Scott, and this is Carlos, and we are here today to take a deep dive, to walk, to take our next step. Listen, that's what the Midweek Move is all about. It's about making a move. What is God saying? What is God doing? And then let's do that. Carlos, how are you today, my friend? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. I am so looking forward to Acts chapter 12 today. And um, listen, we've been walking chapter by chapter the book of Acts, man, digging deep. There's a lot going on in the book There's of Acts. There's a whole lot going on in the book of Acts when you kind of put it all together and get a get a good vision on it. I think it has the right title for the for the letter of the book. Absolutely, Acts. absolutely. They were doing things. They yes. were doing stuff. They were making a move. It was the acts of the apostles. Yes, this is definitely the action thriller of the Bible, if, <laughs> if this were a genre. That's right, action thriller of the Bible. All right, write that down. Take that note right now. The action thriller of the Bible. Thriller. I did it. I did it. The action thriller. Yes. All right, Acts chapter 12 and verse number 1. Now, about that time, now what time they're talking about is uh, Peter has been to Cornelius' house. The Holy Spirit's just filled uh, everyone who was in that house of Gentiles. Uh, God is moving. The Jews are mad because some of the Gentiles are being filled. Yeah. Peter is now defending that. Right. And he's kind of proclaiming, listen, Jesus said this. This is how it, and he takes them all the way back, yeah. retells the story all the way. And then we see, um, we see Barnabas and Saul being set apart, and they yep. go to Antioch, and we see where it leaves off. And I thought this was so important where we left off last week was that the prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch, mm-hmm. and Agabus kind of gives this word about famine coming. And I think it's very interesting, Carlos, and, and Dallas and I had actually talked about this, that so many times we think of prophets and we think of apostles, prophets, or we think of prophets and all we think about is like foreshadowing of what's to come, right? right? Yeah. Well, in this context right here, and what we will see even later in Acts, the prophets are the prophets are actually brought in and there is relief, compassion being sent out. Right. Yeah. Through the prophets. Yes. So it's not just, hey, thus saith the Lord, but they're actually doing, quote unquote, missions and sending relief to people in the midst of a famine. Right. So you would, sometimes I think we only think in terms of, okay, that's the church or that's a pastor or maybe that's a missionary. Right. We don't necessarily associate the prophetic, the prophets with something like a compassion ministry. Well, yeah. And also we kind of associate the prophetic with just what's going to happen and not always preparation for what's going to happen. Right. And that was important. Yeah, and and even in that preparation for what's to come only by giving a word. Yeah. But not necessarily providing supplies. Right. But in the midst of that, and so Agabus gives this word and so they send it and they send it by the elders by the hands of our Barnabas and Saul. So that's the time in which we're talking about yes. here. So verse 1 now about that time Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Now, this is a key verse, not just, I believe, not just in the New Testament, but in the entire Bible. This is a key verse because this is kind of a first Yeah. as far as recorded. This is kind of a first after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Yes, they're being persecuted. Yes, some have been thrown in prison. But now we have 
Herod has killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Now, that terminology, with the sword, means beheaded. Yes. So they have beheaded James the apostle. Why is this so important, Carlos? Well, now this... Well, first of all, when you're talking about uh, him killing him with the sword and beheading, we're not talking about a random incident or just a, a perhaps incident. This is this is an intentional scheduled execution, um, and this is the first time that we've seen one of the apostles actually martyred in the in the scripture. And we do have some historical um, no writings about what happened with some of the apostles, but here. We had Stephen being, you know, being a deacon, being yep. martyred. Now we have the first of an apostle actually being martyred. Yep. This, this, isn't, this isn't James, the brother of our Lord. This is James, the brother of John, one of the sons of thunder, one of the yep. one of the apostles of Christ. Yep. This is the first that we see. One seen. of the ones who asked to sit yes. beside Jesus. Yes, sons, sons of thunder. Yep. You know, guys that weren't scared to cause trouble. So, you know, That's now right. they put themselves in direct line. Um, the direct line of fire, the persecution, and at this time, no, it, it's cost James's life. Yeah, if you put it on a national level, you'd almost see like um, uh, Stephen would have been like uh, the the Secretary of Defense right. has been assassinated. James would be like the Vice President yeah. of the United States. Yeah, it, absolutely. Like everything is leveling up, and yeah, the persecution is now going to the next level. Right? Yeah, it's it's ratcheting up. It's gotten serious, and now we're talking about the core of the of the movement of the church leadership actually being brought in by 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 magistrate by a magistrate and being executed. This yeah, wasn't at a riot or something. And this it's was not an just the, it's not just the apostles and disciples, but now you've got the entire church now is going to come to almost this crossroads yes. of what are we going to do now? It's not just okay, a Stephen or just some guy they are persecuting. Now they're going after our Leaders. This is a guy to walk with Jesus, and That's they've, right. they've executed him. That's right. They've executed him. So verse 3, and because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. So it's almost like Herod's been empowered now yes. because he sees that it's not um, it's it's not politically expedient. It's not going to come back on him politically because right. they're actually for it. Right. You actually, I actually, when I read this and I, and I listened to this also on audio on my way over here, I actually had this this kind of a callback to even the crucifixion of Jesus where you got the people involved and everybody's kind of jostling politically on what is this going to yep. mean and as soon as as soon as you get the cry for the people to crucify him then you you got it almost gives these guys permission to please the will of the people and to do this just to save face, face politically with the crowd yeah cuz even though Herod he's not afraid of the Jews but there is some political uh, clout yes. that is carried by the Jews yep. in this scenario mm -hmm. that if they get displeased or they turn against, it could be bad for Herod. Yeah, life can be hard for him. Yeah. All right. So he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now, it was during the Days of Unleavened Bread. Now, this is a key because now we're talking about during the Passover time. Right. So it's not like there's uh, 20 Jews gathering to worship. No. This is like people from all over the world yes. are there. So And also... As we will find out, you have Barnabas and Saul who were kind of at Antioch, but now they're going to be in Jerusalem as well. Right. Why? Because it's Passover. Right, because it's Passover. That's yep. where they're all at. We have, we have a big gathering of people, and, and yeah, it, 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 politically it could be bad for him. That's right. That's right. So, again, why is this important? Well, it's important because it gives us the context of these things that's happening yeah. for, in real time. Yes. 
verse uh, 4. So when he had rested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers. Now, this is one guy. One dude. <laughs> <laughs> this is one guy. And it's not like Peter is some mass murderer or no. it's not like he's, um, you know, some psychopath or sociopath. It's not like there's, like, the only thing he's done is preach Jesus. Right. That's yeah. it. But yet they're going to put four squads of soldiers to keep him. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you have a guy that just is considered a religious zealot, and and they're they're assigning you know an entire force to this, to to guard this guy. And I kind of almost get like the idea of a callback when we go back to chapter two in the book of Acts. Now we have this mass gathering of people, and when this happened the first time, Peter caused a lot of problems. Yep. Thousands of people believed on Jesus because of what what Peter said with these big massive gatherings of people in Jerusalem. And I almost can see in Herod's mind like this is not going to happen to me again. And they've already executed John, and now they got in their hands on Peter. They're going to tuck him away during this time, and 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 you no, know, do whatever they, whatever it is they think is politically expedient for well, them. Well, with the enemy, it's always the opposite of what God has. So in Acts chapter two, you know, Peter here is all these squadrons of soldiers just for one guy. And again, you would think that he was a violent man, that he was dangerous, but it's the polar opposite. Yeah, he's not dangerous physically, but in the spirit realm, right. He's dangerous. He's a threat. It's it's funny because in Acts 2, it wasn't like 3,000 people died. 3,000 right. people got born again. Yeah, they got saved. <laughs> they believed on yeah, Jesus. they got saved. So it's like he's, he's, he's being treated as if he's this violent mass murderer, while in reality, God has used him to bring people to life. Right. And that should tell you all you need to know about the motives of the leaders at this time. That's right. That's right. And not just this time. Yeah. But... All the way to current. Absolutely. And so intending to bring him before the people after Passover. There's the political leaning right, right. there. We're going to wait right. until after. Let's keep him under lock and key while the Passover is going on. Right. Like you said, thousands upon thousands of people. But let's not bring him before the people until after Passover. Because when after Passover is over, it's going to be a smaller group of people that we right. bring him before. Yeah. He's not stupid. No, he's not. It's a lot easier for them to hide what they're doing that way. All right, verse 5. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. This is such a key word right here. Yes. What what comes to mind when you think of the importance of constant prayer, Carlos? Well, what comes to mind with me is that there is a time, and I'm thinking, thinking about these apostles, disciples, people that have followed Jesus, that Jesus has gone back and he he's taught them about how men ought to ought to continue in prayer and not lose hope and not give up, and that that's something that was taught to the disciples by Jesus is constant prayer, constant vigilance. He get, Jesus even gave, he even gave parables about, about being constant and persistent in prayer. And this is something that's being passed down. And now there's, there's these people that are making intercession for the will of God, for the leadership in the church. And they're not just, it's not just a one-off thing. This is a lifestyle. This is what they do all the time is that they're making prayers. And in this case, it's for Peter and his situation. They've already seen John beheaded for what he believed. And now Peter is in a, in a similar situation. And now the, the urgency is there. The urgency is there to to bring prayers and to bring those prayers before God. And, be, and those prayers are constant. They're ongoing. So bring that into the 2020s now. Why is constant prayer offered to God so important? 
for us as believers today? Well, else as believers today, we want to continue the pattern of what Jesus taught. We want to continue the pattern of what's been shown to us in in scriptures and also understanding the seriousness and gravity of the time. And just like they did and they modeled in the example in the scripture that when things were things were serious, when things were when the people had need, they came to God in prayer, and they came to God in prayer constantly. They came to God in prayer, you know, not casually. That it was something that was that, was that burden on their heart to see God move, and even all the way back to the Book of Acts, you know, these people were in prayer. They were together. They were one accord, and they were looking and having expectation to see the move of God. And I think that's a key: is that they weren't just praying when there was emergencies. Yes, you know, the Bible's clear in Acts two, Acts four. You and they continued. They yep. continued after it was awesome and after it was bad. Yep. They continued in the apostles' right. doctrine, fellowship, breaking the bread, alms, prayers. All of that, right. they just continued. There was always that sense of expectation and in, in prayer and in, in trying to see what God wants to do and being a part of that. It wasn't just like, oh, somebody got thrown in jail, let's pray. Right. It was a constant um, lifestyle yes. of prayer. Yes. It wasn't like, oh, no, an emergency is coming on. I got to find the words. Right. No, no, no. You already know the words because right. you have a lifestyle of prayer. There, there's no... There's no no extinguisher on the wall that says, you know, in case of emergency, break this glass and now whip out this tool. Right. It was something that was always a part of their lifestyle. And I would say that we we need to embody that just as much in the 21st century. Yeah, I think of constant prayer not so much as a tool but a weapon. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like a weapon we've been given against the enemy. Very good. You know, it's not just a, a tool of connecting with God because a lot of times when we say prayer – Really, what we're talking about is the asking portion of prayer. Right. We're not the even supplication yeah. Side we're not it. even talking about the listening part of our right. relationship with God, or um, or even the uh, uh, the singing uh, aspect. There's even an aspect of singing prayers to the there Lord is. and 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 worship. Then kind of melding in with prayer and it all becoming an expression of worship. Right. We almost get the the drive through mentality. You know that we pull through the drive through. There's the speaker. There's the menu. Okay. This is what I'm looking at. This is what I want. And I'm going to communicate my need there. And that's that's only a tiny tiny portion of a communicating with God. Yeah. All right, so the church is praying for Peter. He's in jail. Verse 6, And when Herod was about to bring him out that night, Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. I still, this is funny to me. It just is funny to me. It's like laugh out loud funny. He's a fisherman. Like how crazy full of anxiety and fear is Herod. Right. This yeah. is one of the most powerful men in the entire world at the time. Yes. And he is absolutely crippled with fear of one guy named Peter. Yeah. yeah. Like it's not just, hey, we've got these, you know, we've got these, uh, we've got these four squads of soldiers. It's okay, we're gonna we're gonna bound him between two chains, between two soldiers, and then the guards are gonna be before the door keeping the prison. And then outside of those doors, on the outside of the prison, we've got another layer of guards. And right. then on outside of that, we've got another layer right. of guards. I'm sure there are I'm sure there are rotating shifts on all of this. Like you stuff. think Peter is Hannibal Lecter or something it, it, like exactly. that. And it's like crazy. Right. If you don't know who that is. He was a bad guy. He's a character in a movie. But they haven't forgotten about having to create lies and stories on how Jesus got out of the tomb. Right. <laughs> because they had already formulated about Jesus being resurrected. It was like, oh no, they came and they did this and they did. And so yeah. they they had woven that when even their own guards were going, no, nobody was here. 
All right. Yeah. Like, no, we don't like he's gone. Yeah. Right. And it's so I, I'm just I think it's very interesting here. And this this really speaks to Herod at this point is kind of sitting in this. He's the enemy of the gospel. Yes. He's an enemy of the gospel. Yes. He's an enemy of the good news. He's an enemy of Jesus. He's doing everything he can to stop this from going forward. That's right. And so in that, what we see here is that sometimes we see the enemy as a super, super scary guy. And just he's got all this power and he's got all this. But ultimately, he is Herod. Yeah. He is filled with anxiety and fear of what we can become in Jesus. Right. He's just trying to protect his turf. He's trying to bring all kinds of bondage. He's trying to chain us up. He's trying to put guards in front of us. He's trying to put stuff around us. He's trying to keep us from stepping into our destiny that God has called us into because he knows if we do, then he's defeated. He's he's almost he's a scared animal backing into a corner almost. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Okay, verse seven. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison, and he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly, and his chains fell off his hands. And then the angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie your sandals. So he did, and he said to him, Put on your garment and follow me. Now this kind of tracks along. It's not like Peter's fully dressed and in chains. He's stripped down. Right. He's been beaten. Right. Like... It's not like they they had four guards around him and everybody's going, "Hey, gently, let's take him in there." You know, right. and he's no, in his is... he's in his orange and CNN and Fox News are checking it right. out to it's make sure he's not being like... abused. Yeah. It's like, no, he's been beaten with rods. He's yeah. been dragged into the prison. He's been chained up. He's not fully clothed. I mean, it's not great. Yeah, he's in bad shape. This isn't this isn't a modern you know th- three hots in a cot type of prison situation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Right. This isn't like uh this isn't Hollywood's version of this. Like this is Peter's not just going, "Oh wow, there's an angel here." No, this man has been brutalized. Yes. He's not been killed yet, but he's been brutalized. Yes. Make no mistake about it. Yeah, and, and and execution is on the horizon for him. That's right. That's right. So verse 9. So he went out and followed him and did not know that what was done by the angel was real. And <laughs> so good. But thought he was seeing a vision. And now not the- I Carlos, think, has this ever happened to you where it's like God is doing something in your life and you almost have to you almost have to paint yourself oh, to go yeah. like, okay, is this really happening right, right yeah. now? Right? Yeah, God God does things that you know are outside of, you know, your control. And and I can and I can almost see this playing into the fact that he's being brutalized, he's been beaten, he's been he's probably not all there, you know. Right. And now he's in this situation where where they've set up all of this around him to guard him and this angel just kind of waltzes in like 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 and you've he owns got the place. you've got sleep deprivation yeah you've got darkness yeah darkness to light yeah not you, being used to any yeah. of those things you have physical abuse you have all this going That's on right. and now he's in this place where he's at I mean he's not even perceiving that that this is even real well and also we have to keep in mind that Peter has a track record of visions and dreams, yes. trances, mm-hmm. where he was awake, but he sees a right. vision with his eyes open. We see that in chapter 10. We yeah, so he's not, ago. so it's not like that's foreign to him. Right. It's almost like he knows that best. Right. Rather than this angelic visitation, he right. knows like visions and stuff like that even better. So it's like, oh, okay, God's trying to show me something right. in this. Right. So verse 10, when they were past the first and the second guard posts, like we said, there were layers, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. <laughs> I love wow. that. I love that. Just like, 
I'm going to talk about God opening doors, right? <laughs> God opening door, like <laughs> supernaturally just. And when you talk about these iron gates, these iron gates aren't tiny. Oh, no, 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 these, no. These aren't like the front doors of no, your house. No, this isn't your chain link. This isn't your chain link fence at the no, house. No, 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 no. Not city gates. This is the gates of the city. Yes. Right? Okay. And uh, they went out and went down one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. So it's like, peace, I'm out. Boom, you're by yourself. Verse 11, and when Peter had come to himself, now it's like, okay, this isn't a vision. I'm not dreaming. Like, this is for real. Now I know for certain, this is Peter talking, now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. The expectation of the Jewish people was he would be murdered. Yes. Yeah. So that's what he's talking about when he says that is from the expectation of the Jewish people. They right. wanted him executed right. like James was. Yeah, it goes back to the beginning of the chapter when Harris saw that it pleased the people to yep. what happened with James. Here's the next expectation of what's going to happen to Peter. Yeah. Now, we know the church has constantly been praying for him. Yes. So let's go to verse 12. So when he considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. So they're keeping up with that constant prayer. Mm -hmm. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a girl named Rhoda came to answer. And when she recognized Peter's voice, because of her gladness, she did not open the gate, which I think is... (laughs) That's so funny. Yeah, because I'm thinking, if I'm glad, I'm not going back to tell everybody. I'm going to open the door, Right. right? That's always been a little curious to me. When she recognized Peter's voice because of her gladness, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. Now, here's the response of this faith-filled, expectation-filled... Constant prayer. Constant prayer of church. But they said to her, you are beside yourself. (laughs) So they've been constantly praying that God would deliver Peter. Yes. Peter's been delivered, and he is at the door knocking on the door. Right. And their response is what? You're beside yourself. This, <laughs> you're, 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 you're tripping. Right. <laughs> that, that's, right. That's the layman of their response. Their response to them. They're, they're asking for a miracle. Nobody went down to make bail for Peter. That's God right. did a miracle. That's right. <laughs> Yet she kept insisting that it was so. So they said, it is his angel. So now they're kind of ascribing it. It can't be him. Right. Like there's no, and I think this points out a, a, um, a key point here, and that is that our prayer isn't just prayer. Right. But it's prayer filled with faith and expectation. Right. right. Prayer has to be coupled with faith and expectation or it's not prayer. Because faith and expectation now, when the answer comes, we recognize it as the answer right. because we're expecting God right. to do it. yeah. All right. So it says, verse, uh, verse 16, Now Peter continued knocking. <laughs> Like, here's this guy, he's been in prison, like he's standing out. We don't know. And they're, I mean, in, and they're in there arguing about if he's really at the door. Yeah, he's so he's over here knocking at the door. It's Passover time, so we know it's not super hot or anything like that. So we don't know. Maybe it's cold. He's out there, you know, shivering, and he's right. knocking on this door. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Like, that's a pretty incredible word when you've been praying for something and expecting it to happen. The realization of your prayers right in front of you. (laughs) And I can say that I've done that before. I pray for things and I ask for God to do things, and then I'm shocked when God does it. No doubt, no doubt. But motioning to them with his hand to keep silent. So here's the deal. Peter actually knows what's going on around him. Yes. He's like, listen, 
it's expedient for us not to make this known to everybody in the neighborhood right now. Hey, guys, I did just break out of prison. That's right. <laughs> well, God broke me out of prison, right, yeah. but they're going to say that I broke out of prison. Right. Shh. Be quiet, please. Be quiet. And you got to understand being um, with the Jews wanting the apostles persecuted and being in Jerusalem and so many people being in Jerusalem, they could very easily be, be, be surrounded by people that wouldn't be happy to see Peter out. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. They could have been among the ones who had an expectation of his death. Yes. And wanted his death. Yes. But motioning to them with his hand to keep silent, he declared to them how the Lord had brought him out of prison. And he said, go, tell these things to James and to the brethren. And he departed and went to another place. Then as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers about what had become of Peter. But when Herod had searched for him and not found him, man, this is enemy 101 right here. Yeah. He examined the guards and commanded that they should be put to death. And he went down from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there. When he didn't get his way, yep. he blamed somebody. And then he killed them so that they couldn't tell the story right. of how Peter just disappeared. Right. Right. Like the, enemy no wants to, the enemy wants to extinguish the testimony of Jesus. Absolutely. He wants to extinguish the miraculous. It goes no further than right here. That's right. He wants to ex extinguish uh, healings. He wants to extinguish salvations. That's why the enemy wants to mute your story. He, yes. wants, to, he wants to bring every bit of doubt he can into your story of healing right. and deliverance and salvation. Right, because there's power there. And as we saw in verse 18... There was no small stir about what was going on. So this thing is going to whip up something. That's right. And he's trying to shut it down as quickly as possible. Yeah, because it doesn't say that the soldiers were like, oh, where is Peter? Where is Peter? Where is Peter? You know, who 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 broke him out? All this stuff. This small stir gives the connotation as if it's like, hey, this maybe was a Lord. Right. This is something supernatural to happen here. We don't need to touch this. He just got out of layers and layers and layers of security, and we don't know how it happened. That's right. That's right. All right, verse 20. You want to talk about sowing and reaping. Here it is. Yeah, it is. Now Herod had been very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, but they came to him with one accord, and having made Blastus the king's personal aid, their friend, they asked for peace because their country was supplied with food by the king's country. So on a set day, Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat on his throne and gave an oration to them. Basically, he's bringing them together, and he is... Uh, he's playing the politician. Yeah, charisma. Mm -hmm. He's telling them what they want to hear, yep. but he's also trying to assert himself as even more than a man, as we see in verse 22. Right. And the people kept shouting, the voice of a god, little g, and not of a man. Apparently, it was a pretty good speech. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can see this type of stuff happening today. Yes. And not just with politicians. Yeah. But whether it's, well, even today, it's not just athletes or actors. It's YouTube influencers. Oh, yeah. It's TikTokers. We, it's, we live completely in the culture of hero worship um, because there are so many before, you know, when I was young, growing up, you had to catch some sort of a break to become famous or whatever. Now there's so many avenues to, to get yourself in front of people and, and acquire fame that we we are just saturated in the culture of hero worship, like you said. Becoming famous for nothing. Yeah, yeah. 
They'll become famous because you're facing up in front of a lot of people and can be easily recognized and you can monetize that or whatever. Yeah, sure. And so there's just a ton of hero worship in our culture today. I got 2.7 million views because I ate uh, a cheeseburger that had 14 patties on it and 19 slices of cheese. We got a great group here in this. We got a great group in in St. Paul, Minnesota that have joined us at... Willie's barbecue, and right. while I'm going to eat 19,000 pounds of ribs in right. 27 yeah. minutes, yeah. and boom, now you're famous. Yeah, now millions of people are setting their eyes on you. Right. So it's like this, and people don't even know why their affections are going that way. Yeah. It's not like they want to do that. Right. It's just the fact of that entertainment value of something continually being in front of you all the time. Yes. All the time. Yes. Because in our innate flesh, we are consumers. Right. We want to consume. Right. And then we want things to be done for us. Right. And and just like you can see, even in this context, the enemy can use that to manipulate people. That's right. And the enemy uses a hero worship culture to manipulate these 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 people that we set our affections on. The enemy commonly uses them to influence and to introduce things into our lifestyle, into our thought processes that are anti-God, anti-Christ, and are the opposite of the will of God. Yep. And it seems like there, he was doing that with Herod here, even in this situation. And this is such a key. And the people kept shouting the voice of a God and not of a man. Then immediately an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God. Yeah. And he was eaten by worms and died. Wow. <laughs> we forget God is a jealous God. Yes. Yeah, and that's go- that goes back to the sin of idolatry and and just like when the children of Israel in the in the wilderness worshiped the golden calf, you know, not only were they rebuked for worshiping the golden calf, is that that Moses actually had that calf destroyed and ground down, actually put in the water. They actually had to drink drink the water that had the the, the dustings of it. He destroyed that idol. And he brought it down and showed how how much it wasn't God. And the earth even opened up. Yes. To consume. Yes. And the same and the same thing happened here is that not only did God show that this God this guy isn't God, you know, he he punished that idol. Yep. You know, and that's that's important. Things that we can we have to be careful, things that we hold up as idols, man. We have to be careful, man, because God will hurt your idols. Yeah, and we got to make sure as as followers of Jesus, we have to make sure that we're not bringing people's attention to us. Yeah, like we're. I mean, I get the terminology sometimes of soul winner, but we're we're really not the one who wins a soul no, or who no. saves a soul. It's Jesus. Right, we're just willing participants. Yeah, it's just basically it's not even our story either. No. Like, like, I mean, my story. Yes, it's my life and it's my stories, so to speak. But my true story is the testimony of Jesus. Right. Like, it's not my testimony. Yeah. It's the testimony of Jesus. And you've said this several times to anybody that's ever been to THP. When we talk about a witness, a witness is somebody just gives account of what they've seen and what they heard. And their story points to, to the larger narrative of what's on trial. That's my right. My story points to the larger narrative of what I've seen and heard and what God has done to me. And it's made to... to to give credit or to give witness to the story of of God's plan. Yep, absolutely. And verse 24, I love it. So what's going on? Like all this is happening. Herod dies this violent death, but then verse 24, but the word of God grew and multiplied. And this always happens after all of these these events. Always. 
so many times we're afraid of hard things, but more times than not, it's the hard things that draw people to Jesus. Yeah. Like it's the moments, it's those kind of moments that draw people to Jesus. When yeah. you can't count on Herod as your God, he's dead and you just experienced it and watched yeah. it. So there's something else at play here because it wasn't his soldiers killing him. Nope. There is a God, like big G. Yeah. It's another Ananias and Sapphira moment. Right. You know, where we're we're always looking for the warm and the fuzzies and the goosebumps thing to draw people to God. There are times where God shows not just how loving he is, but how big and powerful he is. And that can be just as redemptive as anything else. Yeah, not because God is mean. No. But because God is a just God. He is. And his justice doesn't quite equate with the earth's justice. It doesn't. <laughs> like revenge is not in God. No. That's not. He's so much bigger than that. He is. So much bigger. And I'm glad revenge is not Absolutely. in God. Or I'd be toast. No joke, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Verse 25, and it seems like it's a... But again, we know that chapters and all those things were added in. But right. uh, we'll do it for the sake of kind of our flow and what we're doing. Verse 25, and Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem. Now again, they're in Jerusalem. Why did they take a break from Antioch? They're in Jerusalem for the Passover. Right. They're yep. there. Yep. So we're not quite sure if they were in the house... When Peter knocks on the door, right. it doesn't say that they weren't. Right. It doesn't say that they were, but we do know that they were in Jerusalem, so they had to have known of Peter's escape. Right. They had to have known of what went down with all that. Yeah, and they had to have known what went down with Herod, because I'm sure everybody heard about that. Oh, part. there's no doubt. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry, and they also took with them John, whose surname was Mark. Now, yep. fulfilled their ministry because they had brought alms yep. to take care of people in need, but right. also we know that they were there for the Passover and the feast. And so they had gone and they had done ministry, and now it was time to kind of go to the next level. And what we're going to find out in chapter 13 is that we're going to see something that I absolutely love. And that is in Acts chapter 11, we saw prophets and compassion, right? Relief. Yeah. Relief. Right? Yeah. So we would think of it here at THP, we would think of like Convoy of Hope. Right. You know, one thing I love about, you know, we just had storms in America that rip through like a whole swath of states, and one of them was Kentucky, and it was just really bad. I yes, mean, a lot of people died. But Convoy of Hope was on the ground immediately. Yes. It was like they weren't quite ahead of it, but they were the first ones there, and yeah. not many people are even going to know about it, but they're just doing it, right? Yeah. So the prophets in Acts 11 are sending relief because of what's to come. But then what is to come in Acts 13 mm -hmm. is prophets and teachers yes. together, which is two things you don't really equate a lot of times. Not in today's church world. Is prophets and teachers. And so uh, that's where we're going to leave it. We're going to roll into to, uh, Acts chapter 13. And Acts chapter 13 is really cool because we're going to be coming to you from a different location. Um, we're going to have a special guest with us, Mike Conway, Fearless House. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. Uh, it was a great, um, man, it was a great vibe. Dallas is moderating and kind of navigating us through all of that. We're going to hear some things about uh, demonic possession and what happens when you go to a convention center and the Holy Ghost blows the place apart. Um, <laughs> what do a 700-pound bench-pressing guy 
who's filled with fear, witches, cauldrons, warlocks, a convention center, and the Holy Ghost blowing the place apart have in common? Well, tune in next week because Acts 13, we're going to be delving into that. But I'm telling you, Acts chapter 12, man, that's some deep, good, good, good stuff. Very good. Do you have any closing thoughts, Carlos? Um, I, I just, it just goes to show that the work of God is just ongoing and that it's constant. If you think that that you're living for God and it's boring, then you're not living the right <laughs> life. Um, I just, it's it's an encouragement to see God hearing the prayers of His people, caring about their persecution, and still using all of that to grow His kingdom. Yep, yep. All right, awesome stuff, good stuff. Dig into this yourself. I know we kind of follow along and stuff, but dig into this yourself. Get this word inside of you. What does it mean to you? Not just what was happening there, but what does that mean to you? Expectation, constant prayer, you know, believe in God for the impossible. What happens when bad things are happening? What happens when life is, is hard and tough? What do you do? And I believe that the answers to all of that are in Acts chapter 12. Yeah, even how you, how do I handle leadership in my in my land and in my country and what what's my attitude and my heart toward that yep all right awesome stuff thank you guys for joining us for the midweek move i'm scott this is carlos and we will see you next time